with people that are learning to pray, they're growing in prayer, and they're paying attention to what's going on around them. I think revival has to be not far down the road. Welcome to the One Cry Podcast, a nationwide call for spiritual awakening. The goal, accelerating the movement of God through sharing revival truth, stories, and reports. And now, your hosts, Bill Elif and Kyle Reno. Well, welcome to the One Cry Podcast. We're so thrilled that you're joining us today, and we hope you join with us every week. That's New right. podcasts come out every Tuesday. And uh, I'm Bill Elif, and this is Kyle Reno, and we're thrilled to be your host today. Uh, Kyle, this is, a, this is a fun podcast today. Yeah, come on. Because we're getting down to the the meat on the bones. <laughs> rubber hits the road. Yeah, the rubber hits, we can think about 10 little yeah, sayings, you know. Uh, but, but kind of our topic for today is when prayer gets practical, yeah, that's right. Right. So I think, you know, we all have, uh, we love to hear sermons on yeah. prayer and the value of prayer right. and the philosophy of prayer, uh, and the biblical patterns for prayer, but how do we do this? Yeah. And, and, and as leaders and, and just in a, in a church, sure. how do we lead a church to practically pray without ceasing, yeah. pray with extraordinary prayer, right. all these things we've talked about. Yeah, it almost seems contrary, like the practical mm-hmm. aspect, because prayer in its very essence is, is deeply spiritual. Yeah. And Lord willing, it yields supernatural results, right? right? We're wanting to see God move in the midst of our prayer, but prayer has to become practical. Yeah. Like it has to have a, a rhythm and a life to it in a way that you... Lean in. And, and I know, man, you know this. You've been in ministry so long. I've never met a sincere follower of Christ that didn't want to have a, a powerful prayer life. Right. For sure, I've never met a pastor yeah. that or a spiritual leader in the church that wasn't desirous to have a better prayer life. But, but it's it's pretty rare, though. It's isn't very it? rare. I mean, honestly, men who have great intentionality about that. Yeah. Are, they look up and a week has gone by, right. and you just haven't prayed very much. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and there's this underlying, I think, this low-grade shame mm-hmm. almost that that is paralyzing. So right. I think a lot of people are just paralyzed in their prayer life, and and one bad season of prayer becomes a bad year. Wow. You know, and it becomes, before you know it, a bad prayer life. Wow. And so I, I think today it is time to lean in. We've talked a lot about history of prayer and its part in revival, but... Mm-hmm. What I'd like to do for just a few minutes here is talk about, so what what does it look like when prayer gets practical in the life of people, anybody, anybody listening to any listeners, but specifically even spiritual leaders? So a few things I think God shows us in the scripture, and he's for sure taught me and still teaching me, is you need to know when you'll meet with God. Like, not not like... I wonder when I'll meet with God tomorrow. I, I've heard people say, you know, I, I can meet with God anytime. Well, hallelujah. <laughs> like, you sure can, through the blood of Jesus Christ, enter into the throne room of grace and mercy at any moment, in your moment of need. And that's hallelujah. But I have found that I am I make intentional decisions about meeting with people I find important. And so I'd like to, to just encourage you to know, when are you going to meet with the God of the universe? on Mondays? When will you meet with the God of the universe on Tuesdays and every day throughout your week and each season of your life? Because each season's different. Time schedules change. Rhythms change. And so I think every person desiring to have a vibrant prayer life needs to know each season of their life 
when they're going to meet with God. Now, I'm a morning person, like personally. And so I, I love the my eyes open, alarm goes off. I have rhythms that move me into the presence of God from even how I pray to the Lord when I'm taking a shower. I'm going to take a shower every morning, which is a good thing for everybody. But I, I know some things I'm asking. I'm, I'm praying the full armor of God on my life. You know, I'm, I'm starting to ask God to do things for my wife and my kids as I even get ready for the day. I have, I have, I know that when I get up is the start of my prayer life. It's the start. And, and so I know what chair I'm going to sit in when I pray. I, I know those things. So, but I would encourage you, when will you pray? Uh, we have actually, and I would encourage pastors and staff to think about this. We've put together some spiritual rhythms for our staff. And, and we've made some decisions, honestly, at, on their behalf because we want what's best for them. And so we have this language in our church staff culture that we pray one. And we want to know when you're going to pray one hour of every workday. When will you give that time? to the Lord to pray. I, I love, I was just sitting yesterday in Matthew 26 again and seeing Jesus in this moment of laboring in prayer and, and calling his disciples to come be a part of it. And he, and he asked him a question that I think the Lord's still asking. Can you not spend one hour with me in prayer? Can you not watch and pray so you won't enter into temptation? And I, I think that it, it would be, a, we'll have a hard time explaining to the Lord one day, that we didn't make time to pray, that we didn't have those times set when we would pray. Number two, I think it's encouraging. If you want to have a robust prayer life, you need to know where you'll pray. So when you'll pray, but where you'll pray. I, I, I remember I first came to know Christ, and I didn't know anything about communion with Him, really. I was learning everything from Jump Street, and I went to our senior pastor's house, and they had this little living dining room area, and I sat down in this chair, and it's going to sound super mystical, but just go with me for a second. But when I sat down in that chair, I could sense the presence of God. I could sense the tangible presence of God. And I was sitting there just a little overwhelmed by it. And about that time, the pastor walked through the room, and he said, hey, boy, that, that chair right there, that's, that's where, where, where Donna meets with God every day. And I just knew, it was like, yes, she does. Somebody give me a rope, get me out of here. You know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna make it. But that moment, that that literal spot, that the where was marked with God's presence. And so, I just want to say to you today, listener, there's some places that God wants to meet with His people. There's some places in your home. There's a prayer closet. Maybe it's a walking trail for you, where you're just going to go and be with God, going a long walk with God. Church leaders. I think that literally the, the facilities that God has blessed us with, and I, a lot of times we villainize facilities and buildings like they're bad. Well, they don't have to be. Why not these facilities that God has given us? Why, why couldn't they be places that people meet with God? That the staff walk circles in that sanctuary. That when you pray one, you walk circles in those kids' rooms. That you walk circles around that our literal church facilities should be the most prayed-in places in our city. That the, They used to say, the Celtics used to say there was such a thing as thin places where people had prayed so much that there just wasn't much between, like much distraction or much division between heaven and right there, that it was a thin place. So I, I hope you have those in your house.
I, I hope I hope you have. I hope those that is true in the house of God. So this is prayer getting practical, like when you pray, where you pray, and then I, at last, I just encourage you with how are you going to pray when you when you get to that place, when that where is set. How are you going to pray? What are you going to pray? I think one of the saddest things about m- most of our prayer lives is it's way too generic. That we're not asking God to do very much, honestly. I wonder how many times God leans over and He's listening. And he's like, "What are you asking me to do? <laughs> like, what, what, what's in your heart right now?" And so for me, I've learned some things that help. That's helped me. One thing is that I think that the Bill and I've talked about this a bunch. I think that the whole Bible was intended to be prayed. That Scripture helps me get things back to God that I know God's already all in on. So I'd encourage you. I've I've learned to pray five psalms every day. I I I take the day like today's the ninth, and I pray Psalm nine. I add thirty. Psalm thirty nine. Keep doing the math. Don't let my bamba math come out. Sometimes I need pen and paper to get that. But if you add that up, if you do five different psalms in the course of a thirty day month, you'll pray all the psalms. Pray them all. It don't take long. Just a few minutes. I I, I think that you need to find ways that you pray. The way that I pray and commune with God is not necessarily the way that will best suit you. I have five kids, and what I've learned is every one of them connect to me, their father, in different ways. That conversationally, emotionally, all those different things. And I, I, honestly, I have no desire for each one of my kids to be the same. I want them to be them. I want to have our relationship, how we commune and communicate with one another. You know what? The father wants that with you. But you need to know how you best get with God. For me, I learned that prayer cards, I have, I have two stacks now that I just redid recently of prayer cards, of things that I know I should be praying for, but unless I have those good prompts, I won't. The things for my wife, for my kids, to what I'm praying for our church, for our staff, for the cities that God has placed us in, for the nations, for everything that's in God's heart, from personal calling and preaching and all those things that I'm not just going to guess. I hope I pray for those things. No, I have them down so that I will pray for those things over time. So I want to encourage you. I know some people that are great journalers that you can just sit down and write things out to God and just meet with him. Well, I can't do that, but I can walk around with some prayer cards and meet with him while somebody can sit down and journal out their heart before God. My wife does this. She has different things she prays for on different days, and she writes them out to the Lord. Well, man, there's no wrong way to pray except not praying. There's no wrong way to pray for specific things other than you don't spend the time to figure out what things should we, we, we be asking God to do. And then another thing I'd encourage you, if you want to talk about like how you pray and what are you going to pray about, let me tell you what will help you pray better is praying with other people. Invite people into those times with you, specifically church staffs. I, I, I think that you should find some times when you pray with other staff. That when you pray, we encourage our people around here, listen, in your pray one doesn't mean you have to be alone. Why don't you say, hey, why don't we pray together on Wednesdays? Our, our church staff has days, certain days that they do that and pray together. But there's all the other days of the work week as well. So when do you pray and who do you pray with and the last thing I'd encourage you with just the, when prayer gets practical, you know, prayer is a lot of things. Uh, one thing that I think we miss is praise is a good way of praying because praise is saying, God, I see you, 
Praise is saying, Lord, I, I recognize who you are. Right? Worship has a way of helping give us perspective and give God the glory he so rightly deserves. And so make worship a part of your prayer life. Like, turn some music on. I remember when I first came to know the Lord and the guy was teaching me to pray, he turned some music on and started walking around praying out loud. I thought he had lo- lost his ever-loving mind. But then after a while, I realized, now we're in the presence of God. You know what? Like, worship has a, a way of inviting him here into this moment, but also helping me get to him. So that's just some practical ways. And, and listen, you got to shape that for yourself. So I, I just encourage you to really think through when you're going to pray every day, where you're going to pray every day, to work on each season of your life, how you're going to pray, what you're going to pray, and invite others into that as well. And as we do that, listen, like anything else in life, the more you work on it, the better you'll become. And we need to we need to get practical about our prayer life. This is so good, Kyle. And uh, you said something in that last point. You said the guy who was teaching me to pray. Right. So I think, as particularly as pastors and right. spiritual leaders, you just can't assume that people know how to pray. <laughs> no they just don't. I mean, right. we didn't. It's a it's a lane that we haven't walked in. Right. And if you have to teach a guy how to play football, you have to teach a, a first grader how to add. Right. Uh, why would we think that just the day we get saved, we know how to pray? Right. And and I think it's the thing that is most opposed by the enemy. Exactly right. Because as, as one man said, he trembles when we pray. So understanding how do I make some, get some three by five cards. That's right. Uh, I use a little uh, app mm-hmm. that there are several of those out now, and I use Prayer Notebook as the one I use. It's cards, right. and you can you can just but it's it's on my iPad, and so I can just go through those cards and pray for and add and archive the ones that God's answered those prayers, and uh, so that's so awesome. You know, we know we know that Mueller uh, after his death had a record. Mm. Uh, and there's a whole story about that, but of 40,000 answers to prayer. I started, and the whole reason they wrote it down was he wanted to show the world, right. and he has. Mm-hmm. I mean, here we are decades later yeah. that God was a prayer hearing and prayer answering God. I started thinking about that, and uh, so for a week, I just started writing down and, and all the answers, and they were little things. Lord, I'm going into this meeting. Yeah. I need your wisdom. Right. And then write down, listen, you could do this. Amen. I just did it. I just when I, I just refreshed my prayer cards. Yeah. And uh, so I, I, I had added over time. I had loose I, staples. You can go to Staples, the store, and they have these little binded prayer cards. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've learned to use. Loved it. They don't call them prayer cards. They don't. It's staples. <laughs> they don't. Well, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Wouldn't it? <laughs> That's right. Your prayer, prayer card Lord, section. let that be. Yeah. It takes off to such an extent. But. I went in there and I had added over time, so I, I got a couple new decks of cards uh, to start praying through. And as I was going through, I had just some moments with the Lord. Yeah, I'm looking back over my family. See his faithfulness. Oh man, you know what, God, you did that. Like, hey, I don't. Have, yeah. I can pray for that differently now, mm-hmm. in light of the way you've already answered, and it builds my faith for what you want to do now. Yeah, absolutely. And and your children's faith, right. your grandchildren. What what if your grandchildren yeah. were able one day to pick up your prayer cards? Yeah. And say, you know, yeah. God answered thousands of yeah. these prayers, and I can do the same I thing. I got to tell you something. So I didn't think about this to this moment. So 
I walked in and Cooper went with me, my nine-year-old. Mm-hmm. And so he knows my prayer cards. I can start crying. <laughs> and uh, I said, I got to go in here. Dave's going to do his prayer cards. And we got there and I got to, and we were walking out. And he said, Dad, I'd like to make me some prayer cards. Oh, my goodness. Wow. And I said, I'm going to go back there and get you some. So he ran back there, got him his first stack of prayer cards. And ran up there to me, and I'm checking out the dude. The dude at Staples is like, "Why are you emotional about index cards?" Yeah. You know, I'm like, man, I've got three prayer cards. <laughs> yeah, they're going. But it was this small. And I'm thinking, nine year old, yeah, a nine year old, and he went home and put his family. He put he, he put uh, his uncle and their family with their move that they're making in ministry and things. He started listing them out. I'm like this will shape his life. Well, you know, here you're teaching your boys how to put their socks on, right? you know, how to swing a baseball bat. Where in our lives are we training? You know, I know the guy that taught you to pray, right. Andy Ice, yeah. and uh, he taught you to pray, right. and you're a man of prayer now. So, mm-hmm. boy, we ought to see that. You know, a, a couple of the things before we go to our interview today. Uh, one is that that time of prayer, I know you you would say, does not negate a running dialogue with God all day sure. long. Right. In fact, it enhances it. Oh, absolutely. So there's something about having a set time mm-hmm. that we're just scheduling just to be with the Father. It's a building block. Jesus did that. Right. Right. <laughs> he went away, spent a whole night in prayer, mm-hmm. spent time with prayer, just to be with the Father. Mm-hmm. And so we've got to do that. But that will help us get in a, a prayer posture right. That all day long, every meeting, every conversation, we're just breathing right. prayers, just this running dialogue. And the other thing I wanted to mention uh, is uh, a great book, a great resource to me has been Donald Whitney's little book, Praying the Bible. Right. It is so simple. And and Donnie makes the observation that many people don't pray because it's gotten boring. Hmm. They pray the same old things about the same old things, and it's not specific usually, and they're not seeing answers. And he says, if you will learn how to pray the Bible, every time you read the Bible, couple that with praying that in. Walk back through that passage and and go through each part of that passage and say, Lord, I pray this for my son. I pray this for a guy that's struggling with this. I pray this for myself, you Mm -hmm. know. And just pray those things in. You have an inexhaustible, fresh way yeah. to pray every day as you couple the Word of God. And the Bible's meant to be prayed. That's right. To be prayed and obeyed. That's right. <laughs> Got to do a little sermon on that. <laughs> Being fired up now. So we're excited uh, to hear a great testimony now. Interview with somebody who understands this real well. So uh, watch, watch and listen. Well, greetings, everyone. I'm Kathy Branzell, president of the National Day of Prayer Task Force, and I have such a fun assignment today. I'm really excited about this because I get to interview. I get to have a discussion with uh, one of my most favorite people on this planet who has been an incredible mentor and friend to me and to my family, and that is my dear friend, the chairman of the National Day of Prayer Task Force Board of Directors and the National Prayer Committee. Uh, He actually has uh, a resume that would go on and on and on, but I just want to welcome Dave Butts to the podcast. Welcome, Dave. Thank you, Kathy. And I'm glad you didn't go on. That was enough. (laughs) Uh, You know, I could take up all of our time um, and you and I have this brief 
uh, period of time here to talk about uh, something we love so much, and that is prayer in connection with spiritual awakening and revival. So I just want to jump right in because- How many days do we have? I know, for real. Uh, we, we could do an entire series on this, and so we might just have to. But uh, you and I have uh, one of the greatest jobs, I think, on this planet that's uh, Jesus-given, and that's that we get to be part of the prayer movement and we, we always talk about it being a movement and we're prayer warriors, right? So a movement um, in the military is strategic, it's mobilization, it's an advancement. So my first question is, where do you see prayer movements happening today? Well, you're right. I mean, movement is the key that, that this thing is, is on the go. And the interesting thing about movement is that it is under the leadership of a commander in chief. Mm -hmm. And so this is, this is Jesus directed. Uh, the Holy Spirit is the one who is now moving his forces around, the Lord's forces around, and, and uh, have us on the walls of our cities and our nations and our ministries praying in extraordinary ways. Uh, this, this movement of prayer I believe at its heart is in the local church. Uh, now, now there are plenty of big ministries and small ministries that are given to prayer. You and I are a part of a number of those, and I love those. But I would say that that and and this is would be an unusual answer because most people say, "Oh, you know, these these prayer ministries are really doing stuff, but the church isn't doing much, and we're not near doing what we could or should." Mm -hmm. But I want to tell you. I find that churches are praying now than more than ever before. I think there's some reasons. I think COVID scared people. Mm -hmm. I think what's happening in the world. I think uh, the the division in our nation, that sense of anger uh, that's there. I mean, even in families or sometimes even in the church, it is driving people to their knees. They're saying, Lord, what's going on? Would you help us? And of course, I think the Lord's going at last, you know, finally, they're, they're beginning to turn to the right place to the right one for the right answers. So I would say the church is is really where the action is, if you will, in in the area of prayer. Now, the, the role of ministries like National Day of Prayer, and and my own little Harvest Prayer Ministries I work with, and some of the great big ones, uh, Every Home for Christ, and so many others, uh, Intercessions for America, they, they, in a sense, keep feeding into the local church, and they keep throwing fuel on the fire, and they yeah. keep things burning at the level of the local church. So uh, I'll, I'll end there. We could go further, but I think you probably have other, other things to ask about. Well, let's keep this going. So um, uh, it in the level, I like the word momentum uh, that you see. Do you see this great increase? Where where are we are say um, in the past three to five years? Where would you um, where would you say we are in our level in our momentum of prayer here in America? First of all, I would say beyond a shadow of a doubt, the church has a long way to go. Mm. Okay, uh, if if when I talk and I've been to and hundreds and hundreds of churches yeah, yeah. and talk to lots of pastors and very few pastors are comfortable 
where they are right now in prayer. But what I would tell you, and here's the sense of momentum that I'm getting, is that everybody's talking about prayer now. And that's where it's got to start. You know, they have to at least begin talking about prayer. It's moved, it's right. moved up in, in a level. Uh, it's been a couple of years now, but uh, Lifeway Ministries did a survey and they asked people what they wanted to hear messages on. And man, pastors were really interested in what the result of the survey was going to be. And everybody was thinking it's going to be uh, second coming. It's going to be spiritual warfare. It's going to be stuff. You know what the number one thing was? How to pray more effective. Yes. That was the number one thing that people in the pews were asking of their pastors. I want to pray, but I don't feel like I know how to. I yep. need help. And so, see, that to me says that the Spirit of God is on the move and he's beginning to stir up prayer in the church. Now, again, I, I just totally believe we've got a long way to go. We are not, we're not uh, an Acts uh, church in which they prayed 10 days without ceasing. Right. Uh, we're not a church in Acts 2.42 where they devoted themselves you know, to four things, including prayer. Uh, we're, we're not seeing pastors who understand, I think, yet that uh, they must give themselves fully to prayer and the ministry of the word. But we're moving that way. We're getting there. And every day, just a step closer, a step closer. That's an advancement. All right. So we talked about a movement. We've talked about the motivation. So now I'm going to ask you, where on the map, where in some states and cities are you seeing prayer being ignited? Okay. Well, I, and, and that's, again, that's a tough one because there's no, there's no one place that you feed that into. And then we can just kind of pull that up on the screen and go, oh, now here and here and here we have all this. But again, so some of this is anecdotal. Other is the fact that I work with enough ministries. You know, the, the National Prayer Committee, for instance, is a group of 130 people representing um, 75 to 80 national ministries. And, and since I, you know, for 18 years now served as their chairman, I get to hear, you know, what's going on. So, so here's one of the things I would say, particularly focusing on the local church. There are some places where there is day and night prayer happening. Yes. Uh, Austin, Texas. I mean, of all places, Austin's, a, you know, it's a liberal city. You know, it's, it's not in the center of the Bible belt or anything. But uh, 12 years ago, you know, a friend of mine, uh, he and his wife were walking and God just told him, you need to start day and night prayer here. And now there's well over 100 churches that are involved uh, in, a, in a ministry that's, uh, that's called, you know, Pray America, uh, America Praise, rather, America Praise. And they're involved for 12 years now, Austin has been covered in day and night prayer. Incredible. The same thing's happening up in Bellingham, Washington, mm. again, for about 12 years. I think the last four years, Albuquerque, New Mexico, has been covered in day and night prayer. Yeah. It's beginning to happen in places like Little Rock and Minneapolis. Uh, it's happening in Orlando, in various places around the nation. Uh, and some of those are not covered yet day and night, but, but it is happening. Now, on another level, you look at something, a whole different ministry in Kansas City. You've got the International House of Prayer that is a combination of prayer and worship. 
And they've been going for what, 15 years now, where there's, they've never let the fire go out on the altar. There's always worship and prayer going on day and night. That is extraordinary. I, I got to tell you, I believe that this is the precursor of a revival that is coming. Yes. And you have that passion for unending prayer, unceasing mm. prayer. It's, it's happening day and night that begins to attract the attention of heaven. And people start going, what's going on? What's going on? Right. And, and in God's timing, it's, it's all up to him. He's in charge of this. He's the one who lights the fire. He's the one who puts the fuel on the fire. And, yeah. and eventually he is the one then who sends this awakening that we're longing for, praying for. But, but look to these cities where they have moved beyond what I would call ordinary prayer. Okay. <laughs> and no prayer is really ordinary. It's, right. all, it's all extraordinary. It's all supernatural. But when you move to the extraordinary of unceasing prayer day and night, watch, just watch and see what's going to happen. Yeah. So let, okay. Let's, let's keep this conversation going because right now I'm praying that our listeners are going, I want that in my city. The next time Dave Butts or anybody from the prayer movement gets interviewed and asked that question, you know, where do you see this happening? I want them to, to mention my city. And so, uh, you know, we've been doing this whole series on uh, the history of great awakenings of, of spiritual awakening and revival. And we know that it was always that, that, that always preceded in great intensity of prayer. And mm -hmm. so continue in this conversation and maybe even teach us a little about where, where do you see us in the intentionality and the intensity of prayer that mm -hmm. precedes a great awakening and, um, and not just in that direction, give us, give us some prompts on how we can move sure. into, into that mode, because we want so desperately to see spiritual awakening and revival happen in our nation. And it won't happen without prayer. You, you said it. And anyone who teaches or who studied revival will tell you that it always, there's always a movement of prayer first. Mm -hmm. God sets his people prayer for, I mean, it's always going to happen for a number of reasons. It's in prayer that we humble ourselves before the Lord. It's in prayer that we come before him and say, God, we can't do this. You're the only one who could do this. And so in prayer, we humble ourselves before him. In prayer, we repent of sin. We turn from sin, which is a prerequisite for, for revival. If you're not praying, you're not repenting. Mm. Uh, and so you've got to have that in order to see a move of God. When you look in the Old Testament, I'm going to jump back real, real quick. I'm not going to stay there. But, but if you look in the Old Testament, Dr. Wilbur Smith said there, are, there were seven major times of revival in the Old Testament, every one of them was preceded by prayer. And I would suggest to you from my own study that if you take away the word major, mm -hmm. and talk about revival, you're probably going to find 15 or 16 different mm -hmm. times of revival and then decline among the people of God in the Old Testament. They're all preceded by, by prayer. So that, it, that gives me encouragement based on what we were just talking about of what's happening in these cities as well among other ministries uh, that we could tell stories of, of, of this, this continued upward growth of prayer that is not, you know, you could even have ego in prayer if you're not careful. Mm -hmm. You can be proud of, right. of your prayer life or something. And right. I, 
I don't know how. Or turn it into a preaching session. And you're like, <laughs> when people are like, God, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and you're, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, there, but, but when we realize that this is all from God and he's calling us in humility, to come in humility before him, mm-hmm. humbling ourselves, crying out in repentance, saying, mm-hmm. God, we are desperate. In one sense, here's what I would say, and this is going to be a little different from the, the way you asked the question. That's all right. Rather than looking at the prayer movement as an indicator of revival coming, I look at the devastation around us. I look at the depth of, of the sin and the degradation in our culture. Mm. And it's so much further gone than any other time. And it's typically at those times when the people of God start looking around them going, we're in trouble. We really are in trouble. And here's the good news. And again, working with a lot of major ministries, there's nobody out there that has a solution. Right. There's no one out there who says, hey, I have seven easy steps for us. Yeah. To get out no of program. Uh-uh. uh-uh. The only program, if it is, is get on your face before God. Right. out to God. And so that the, with the increase in wickedness, if you will, it tells me, can revival be far off? Mm. With people that are learning to pray, they're growing in prayer, and they're paying attention to what's going on around them. I think revival has to be not far down the road. Mm. We're reaching a depth of desperation. And Jesus is the only answer. Absolutely. Oh. Well, Dave, um, we could go on and on. I still have dozens of questions. I love uh, this time talking to you, but I think the most important thing we could do right now is for us to talk to God. And so um, in the mode of crying out for spiritual awakening and revival to happen in this nation so that you can act as a model for many others to go into their prayer closet and into their churches and cry out, could you just give us a prayer right now for that to happen in our hearts, in our cities, and in this nation. Yes, I'd love to do that. Uh, Father, we, we look at, at what's going on around us, and we, we confess that we don't have any answers. We're so much like uh, the situation with Hezekiah found himself in the Old Testament, looking around at the Assyrian army surrounding Jerusalem and saying, oh, Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And Lord, that's, that's where we are right now. We don't have the solution, but our eyes are on you. And so, Lord, right now, we just come before you in humility, in repentance, in awareness, Lord, that we've been a part of the rebellion. Lord, we have, we have helped as well uh, with the downward slide in our nation. We confess that and we say, Lord, Lord, would you step in now and bring your salvation? Lord, would you restore us? Would you renew us? Would you revive your people once again that we may rejoice in you, in your salvation, in who you are, and in what you are doing for your people? Lord, we look to you with hope with anticipation, with eagerness, that you would move in our midst. Awaken your people, O Lord. Pour out your salvation. Glorify the name of Jesus in our midst. For we pray it in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.
Amen. Amen. Thank you, Dave. Appreciate you so much. God bless you all. Keep praying. Well, what a great word. And uh, we're so thankful for all these people we're getting to interview on our podcast. And and uh, because they're people who've experienced what we all need to experience and what we're talking about here. Uh, one of the things that we love to do and we want to do on every podcast is to pray. That's right. It's one cry podcast. <laughs> so we better be praying. And uh, we want to invite you right now. We're going to pray about the practical side of right. prayer. And uh, we want to invite you not to just listen to this, yes. but wherever you are, in a car or in your home or at work somewhere, to pray with us. To mm-hmm. just stop right now and let's take a moment and just pray this in. Mm-hmm. All right. So, Kyle, why don't you why don't you begin us in yeah. this time of prayer? Father, we love you, and I thank you uh, just for our friends and listeners uh, here, God, today, and for my, for Bill's life, my life, God, for pastors across this nation, uh, Lord, in the world, I ask you, Lord, what the disciples ask you, would you teach us how to pray? Mm-hmm. Would you teach us how to get into your presence, Lord? I, I pray that today that we would be reminded that through the blood of Jesus, there is nowhere that we belong more wow. than in your presence. Right. There's nowhere that we belong more than communing with our Father. Mm-hmm. And so, God, teach us how to best do that. God, I, I pray for people, God, that you would shape in their mind what their prayer life can look like, what it looks like for them. God, so I pray that you would give them, I know you do this, give them practical wineskins, God, ways that they can commune with you, God, and things. God, would you build some blocks in here, Lord, that they can build the rest of their prayer life on, Lord, for the rest of their life. And God, I pray that you do it in such a way that they could teach others. And Lord, we we just want to tell you that we are overwhelmed mm. when we think about it that we can pray. That's right. Lord, we were so far from you, we were your enemies, and you proved your love for us by dying for us and giving us an introduction. That's right. Into this grace in which we now stand and we have peace facing God. Mm. We can talk to you at any moment because of the blood of Christ. Mm. And Jesus, thank you for doing that. Amen. And Father, thank you for orchestrating that and inviting us to come. And Spirit, hmm. Holy Spirit, thank you for being the one who prays in us and through us with groaning sometimes even too deep to be uttered. Hmm. Uh, so Lord, we just thank you for all of that. And forgive us for our prayerlessness. Hmm. But I, I pray that we wouldn't, and all of our listeners today, that we wouldn't wallow in shame about that for the rest of our lives and nothing change i pray that we'd say well i'm learning yeah it's a journey and and i want to be a better prayer yes a year from now than i am today and so that begins by by starting some fresh disciplines in my life Mm -hmm. so lord uh as kyle prayed would you show us very practically how to take the next step and would you bring people into our lives? Let us seek out people that we know, we just sense really pray yeah. and learn from them. And uh, Lord, I, I know of a pastor here in our city who came to me and said, Bill, could you teach me how to pray? And I'm just delighted to meet with him and talk about that and pray together. And uh, so, Lord, I just, I just pray that things would change practically. Mm. They would change. 
in our prayer life. And the end result, Father, that, that more people would be crying out to you. You would hear and answer our cries. You would send reviving to our churches and a spiritual awakening among the lost. And, uh, and that we could get to be a part of that. So, Lord, uh, teach us to pray and teach us how to pray. And we ask that for your glory and for your sake. Amen. Amen. Thank you again for joining us on the One Cry Podcast. And we want to remind you that you can learn more and have all kinds of resources by going to the One Cry website, onecry.com. And on there, you can begin with a seven-day personal revival uh, journey. And there are sections for your church, how to pray for your church, how to pray for the nation, how to pray for revival in your community. And we also want to encourage you, as always, to share the One Cry podcast with others. Uh, And we'll hope you'll join us every week.